Child, things are gonna get easier. Ooh, child, things will get brighter. Ooh, child, things are gonna get easier. Thank you for joining the I Love South Orange County podcast. And uh, the pandemic has made strange bedfellows. So we're combining the I Love South Orange County podcast with the ESBC Podcast Network. And we have been fortunate, lucky, and good to have uh, Lauren Norris, Johnson, Johnson Norris, long day today, uh, Dr. Steve Albright, police officer. So we had a police officer, criminal defense attorney. We had a doctor in psychology on yesterday and we've had the best podcast of all time and the best media out there because not only do we have learned per people not only do we have people with titles and credentials we have people who have gotten results in entrepreneurs and we've given you like always actionable information to put money in your pocket legitimately all right and not only have we given you fish, we have taught you how to fish and given you, it has to be a God thing because we've given you insight and depth you cannot get anywhere else to make sense of COVID-19, to make sense of the recession, to make sense of racial rights. So now I'm going to, we're going to have on this podcast, we're going to give uh, local governments around the world, really, and around the United States, and even here locally in San Diego County and Lake Forest, California, Orange County, we are going to give you specific, actionable solutions that you can implement right away to mitigate uh, the recession, to mitigate COVID-19, and to mitigate uh, the racial problems. To that end, I'm going to bring somebody who uh, I've known for a decade. And he's a man who not only is he an anti-corruption uh, activist when it comes to the theft of taxpayer money by anyone, whether it be local politicians or anybody else, but he's a man who's been intricately involved in the American Disabilities Act and having it, that law be equitably applied to all races and all socioeconomic. Uh, he's a, also a man who's been uh, fortunate, lucky, and good to have raised an extraordinary successful family. He has a great... How long have you married to Mary Jane? <laughs> like, plus years. Right, right. He has a great wife, Mary Jane. So he's been lucky, fortunate, and good. And how's Stan doing? I haven't seen Stan in a while. Stan is doing great. I'll tell him you said hello. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he's a man who gets not only himself results, he gets everybody results. Uh, entrepreneurship, success. And uh, thank you for joining us as we go through a list here where uh, we're going to discuss a foundation, right? And on top of that foundation, we're going to come up 
with solutions, right? That are better than what I've heard Al Sharpton say. I've heard Al Sharpton made me uh, laugh. He made me cry. Uh, he's a great order, but I didn't hear him give any solutions to help people in any of uh, the funeral speeches. Uh, what we're going to give you is uh, tangible meat that will solve problems, right? And we're not, none of these are new solutions, but for political reasons, they haven't been enacted. So what we're doing is breaking through political barriers because the pen is mightier than the sword to get these things done with our growing phenomenal audience that uh, with zero overhead, we're down to 20,000 down, downloads a month. So thank you for sharing it with your friends and neighbors and word of mouth and telling people, hey, uh, these guys aren't have a monopoly on the truth. However, they are guiding me, pointing me in the direction where I can create truth for myself and can process elements to get results, action words, right? Uh, let me read to you this passage. I'd like you to know your reaction, right? Uh, Michael Prestonisi, Accurate Business Coaching in ADA Compliance. We'll have links to all of uh, Michael Prestonisi's uh, websites, businesses, and, and you can contact him. He's a very open person. He'll talk to everybody. He'll share his wisdom, how he has been successful in life. He's not shy of being sharing that information. And this comes from one of my favorite books. Uh, you can go both ways in this. I, I agree with half, half of the book, and I disagree with the other half. However, this is information, historical information that comes from the Library of Congress. And what he did was gather information and disseminate information that has not been taught in high school or college textbooks about, about um, history. And to me, history is business. I know that one of the best, uh, I have an MBA. Um, now I'm gonna start announcing my name because I figured out how I want to be branded. So this Josh Abner, MBA, Masters of Business Administration, MBS, Masters of Business Science, PhD, in street smarts and common sense. And I am a local US historian of local political corruption and theft of taxpayer money, right? So it's a long title, but that is who I am. Uh, this 50 years on earth, what I feel I have a high level of expertise in, and I've been able to create wealth for myself and for the people around me. So, chapter two, drawing the color line. A black writer, J. Saunders Redding, describes the arrival of a ship in North America in the year 1619. Sales flurred, F-U-R-L-E-D. Dropping at her Rounded stern, she rode the tide in from the sea. She was a strange ship indeed. By all accounts, 
a frightening ship, a ship of mystery, whether she was a traitor, privateer, or a man of war, no one knows. Through her bulwarks, black mountain cannon yarned, the flag she flew with Dutch, all right? So I'm 20% Dutch up in here. 50% from the Congo. Her crew, a motley, right? Me. Her port of call, an English settlement of Jamestown. And I think of Outlander than my wife was. In the colony of Virginia. She came, she traded, and shortly afterwards was gone. Probably no ship in modern history has carried a more portentous freight. Her cargo, 20 slaves. So the premise and the foundation is, Coach, and I call him Coach Mike because he's a business coach. I hate that term because he's more than that. He's like me. He's a business concierge in a problem solver. The premise is that the George Floyd murder happened as a direct result of 400 continuous years of systematic racism, oppression, discrimination, and actively creating income inequality. What are your thoughts, Michael Prestonisi? Well, thank you, Josh. First of all, I'd like to start off by saying that we need to have context when we tell people where we're coming from. Right. So just to give you some background, I mean, I grew up in Flint, Michigan back in the 1950s. And at the time, Flint, Michigan was a town that was humming. The automotive industry was alive. People working three shifts. People were working to live, to eat, to share. There wasn't a lot of disharmony as I understood it with this racial tension. People were busy working, taking care of the families, growing, and figuring out how they're gonna to continue to do that. So that's where I come from. My folks were in the construction and banking business. My dad was a construction guy, my mother was a teller in a bank. Didn't come from great intellect, didn't come from great education, but worked hard. And by the time I got to be eight and a half, nine years old, I got divorced, a lot of issues happened. In the 50s when you got divorced, that was a taboo. Something was wrong with your family if you got divorced. Now. A lot of families stayed together, don't get me wrong, but we were divorced. So I have a mom raising me and two other brothers in the 50s in Michigan, in Flint, okay? Coming from that, I, I've heard this term, white privilege. And I would say to people politely, I would change that word to what privilege? We were trying to stay alive. We were trying to have food on the table at least twice a day. And if it was three, God bless us. And so living and growing up and eking out a human existence for me was a struggle. We were poor. We lived off the riverbank. We were poor. And so that when I hear that term white privilege, to me, that did not apply. Now, again, coming from a mixed race of Italian and English Germanic background, right. as I got through high school and I started learning about life and things and people and relationships, I started realizing certain people had certain ways they talked to people. Like people called each other's names back when I was a kid and that was. So when I eventually left there, Michigan, after a year of school, moved to California, ended up going back to college, getting a 
bachelor's degree in business administration, master's degree in psychology, and learning how to operate in the paradigm of this business world, I hear about these things called systemic racism. All right, so I want to, before we, yeah. Whatever you want to right, right, right. And that's where the, the, the white privilege comes from, right? Because uh, one of the things we have in common, besides having master's degrees, we're people with master's degrees, and we've both been in jail, right? I've been in jail for a few days. Have you been in jail? <laughs> right? So how many times have you been pulled over, though, right? I've been pulled over right. about 200 times, and I've been beat up by cops four times. So how many times have you mm -hmm. been pulled over, uh, Coach Mike, as I call it? By cops? Yeah. Oh, a couple handfuls, probably. Right, right. So that's where the white privilege comes from. And the problem is that it's systemic and massive, right? But you're right, okay. right? And, and we're educating here, right? So when you process yeah. white privilege, you process it as right. my life wasn't easy. Nobody gave me anything. And I've scratched and clawed through a long period of time to pull myself from my bootstraps. And for me, white privilege is then when Anna goes out, she says, oh, man, I got some really good white privilege. You know, this guy gave me this stuff for free. And I'm like, is it really white privilege or is it that you have nice, pretty blue eyes and big breasts and this guy's hitting on you and gave you free stuff? It could be anything, right? But, you know, because I fought the whole white privilege thing. But when you look at the numbers, right? Black people get pulled off juries at a 500% higher rate than white people, right? You got mass incarceration, right? So between mass incarceration and black people being pulled off juries, they're denied the basic constitutional right of having a jury of your peers. So that is Selective. a privilege white people have. So white people have the privilege of a jury of their peers. And I would say that probably Hispanics, probably Asians, and probably poor whites suffer that same type of discrimination of not having a jury of your peers. Because if you're a poor white and there's only middle class and rich people there, you don't have a jury of your peers because nobody is in there that's your social economic level. Or it could be, you know, education snobs. If you're in Boston, there's 250 colleges within two miles. So if you don't have a bachelor's degree, I would bet that same statistic. If you didn't have a bachelor's degree, you're probably 10 times more likely to get pulled from a jury if you just have a high school diploma. So that, that's where the whole idea of white privilege comes. And we can agree to disagree, but it's important that both sides kind of explore it and look at the different factors. Now, let's take what you just said, and I agree with you. Your premise right. is correct. But what did we just do right there? We modeled a discussion. I didn't call you names. I didn't accuse you of being right, right, uh, right. Well, we've been disagreeing for, for 10 years. <laughs> In a group yeah, for 10 years. Yeah. We can agree to disagree. Right. 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 Well, that's not true. 
A, I'm a very smart person, and B, my mom and dad were married when I was born, so what you just called me is not appropriate. <laughs> Here's another thing we're modeling, and that is right. this discussion of, do I accept the premise of 1619? It's a bit of a stretch to say that 20 people that were slaves has now, if you will, evolved into systemic conditioning. Perhaps. That's when it started, right? So that's the 400 that's year. But, but and the whole just, premise, and let me, yeah, let me uh, complete that thought that uh, throughout the 400 years, it's been systemic racism, conditioning uh, poor whites, indentured servants at that time, and blacks to be dependent on their white masters, their superiors. And not all of them were white. Some of them were French, right? Because the, the French on Louisiana and another part of them were Spaniards. So they're white supremacist, Western European oppressors that I would contend switched to the Republican and Democratic parties, the governments and large corporations where these are your slave masters. I hate it going to major corporations and they operate like a cult, right? Where, you know, Verizon is the end all be all. You're a Verizon person. You know, some people got Verizon tattoos. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second. You know, kind of crazy. So what they do is they replace your parents and make you dependent on this large corporation you work for, make you dependent on the government with uh, welfare, free handouts, uh, pork peril, where they give you incentives and gifts, as Mitt Romney would say. So you're dependent on and you're conditioned to be dependent on your slave masters. And I deal with it, you deal with it as well, uh, consulting businesses that people replace their parents and they replace them with the corporation and the government. So they become conditioned and dependent on these entities. Let me know your thoughts. Yeah. Which is interesting because if you look at the basic founding of this nation, I, I get the strong impression that most of them were entrepreneurs, uh, whether they were farmers. Well, or George farmers. Washington was, Alexander Hamilton, yeah. Benjamin Franklin, all of them were all entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs. And so from that springs this entrepreneurial spirit that you and I happen to embrace and enjoy. And I have contended for years and years to people of color all over the nations, all over the world, if you really understood that you could have your own business, you will be free. Right. And how easy is it to start your own business? Let me give you just a basic example. Josh, I told a guy a few years ago, do you have a computer? No. Do you have a cell phone? Yes. Okay, a cell phone. Do you happen to have $25? Yes. Do you have an idea that you want to promote? Yes. Okay, you're in business. You go to the city, get a business license, Post your thing for two weeks in a newspaper, and presto change you, you're in business. Now, do you need teaching and coaching and training? Probably. Are the guys that coach Josh, coach Mike, they're here to help you? Yes. And we're fee-based. That's how this entrepreneurial thing works. But what are we teaching you? We're teaching you how to fish. I can right. eat every day, every day, every day. Get fish. Free fish. Right. Free so fish. All, all of the solutions, right, as, as we see the, the what we discussed as – Systemic racism, systemic, uh, systemic discrimination, 
uh, conditioning to be dependent on corporations and the government, right? All these solutions to reform the police department is tied in to uh, separating a dependence on the government and large corporations to a spirit of entrepreneurship and self-reliance. So we're going to go through these solutions and uh, Michael Persinisi is going to give me feedback. All right. So the first solution we have, and these solutions have been scraped. I have a few of my own that I've been looking at for years. This is a good time to kind of press it. And these are solutions that came from Lauren Johnson Norris, prominent attorney from Irvine. Very, very intelligent mm -hmm. woman, very successful woman. Um, mm -hmm from her marriage, to her kids, to her practice, to having an employee, to her articulations, the ideas she came out brilliant. Same thing with Dr. Steve Albright, who's written 23 books, veteran 15 years of the San Diego Police Department. And he came on Thursday and gave us great ideas. So did Deborah Pauly, longtime uh, Tea Party Republican activist in, in uh, Orange County. And a few of my own. And so of Coach Mike, Michael Persinese. Number one, elimination of police officers being incentivized by white supremacist groups and by uh, pulling people over, traffic ticket, fines, so on and so forth. Elimination of that, and the way you eliminate uh, incentivizing that we can throw in their overtime elimination of overtime for yeah. police officers and in lieu of overtime they get paid for by the taxpayer they get a financial business consultant that helps them open up their own businesses these solutions that i'm proud of you and i uh mr prestonisi I'm proud that these solutions are all tied into entrepreneurship, self-reliance, capitalism, and democracy. All of this brings in more democracy to the process, especially on the local level. Mm -hmm. I hear a lot of people talking about city councils, and I'll make sure I'll have a, 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 a whole page set up on the website with my epic, uh, my predictions my insight and I'm preaching to the choir because uh, Mr. Prestonisi has seen all those speeches at city council where I laid out what went down on, on a national level. You're smiling because it's, it's a hundred percent. Only God can do something like that. Right. And we have it all on tape. So three yeah. solutions. Let me know your thoughts, Mr. Mm -hmm. Prestonisi. Number one, white supremacist group, Chauvin, whatever his name is, Minnesota, uh, he worked double shifts, 19 years, on the beat. Then when he wasn't on the beat, he was doing security at the club, yet he was making $100,000 a year in real estate. How does that happen? So you have to report outside business the way financial brokers need to do so, right? Number two, no incentive. You guys can't handle it. You guys have had it your whole lives. We've heard rumors about this, never thought it was true. It's true. Sorry, cops. And a lot of this is just, you've had this privilege, you abused it, now it's time to eliminate it, 
because we're going on 19 days of riots in the middle of a pandemic and a recession. So that's it. No more bonuses for pulling people over, giving them tickets, double whammy. A $500 ticket is really a $4,100 ticket because they raise insurance by 100 bucks a month. Uh, you come home, of course, it's your fault. You didn't do an early lane change, right? So elimination of that, elimination of bonuses, elimination of outside business, and elimination of overtime. Mr. Prasenisi. Well, first of all, let's start with the overtime because I think that's a major contributor to the stress. Right. And I would take that stress all the way up to the top. I mean, if you have, you're working two shifts or even OT in a highly stressful business to begin with. Right. All of a sudden, you're going to start getting more easily triggered of little things. And all of a sudden, you're going to overreact, overrespond. Next thing you know, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Well, yeah, but somebody's dead. Right. And why is it that predominantly people of color are the ones suffering because of this, for lack of a better term, abuse? Okay. Yeah, because you can't change human behavior unless you have enforcement mechanisms. Yeah, enforcement. There hasn't been enforcement mechanisms for shooting poor white people for shooting black people for shooting poor Asians and for shooting That's poor true. American Indians poor whoever Somalians whoever yeah. common denominator is poor middle class yeah now just to back the tape up a bit if let's say you or I were on a team as you want to call it a citizen review board or consulting or whatever I would look at this guy from Minnesota his record and say well, come out hold on I, it wouldn't take me three days, Josh, maybe a week and say, whoa, time out. What? This guy needs to be called in. We need to talk to him now. Stop. Okay, so, so you touched on two, right two solutions, right? Yeah, so we gave three solutions. And two that you touched on right there is citizen review boards, right? So citizen review boards would be, uh, and again, we're eliminating things. These citizen review boards are not new, but we're eliminating things that the privilege has been abused, right? So as far as citizens review boards, citizen review board has to be someone with no ties to law enforcement and no ties to any city council, mayor or county person. And it cannot be somebody with an agenda. It can't be somebody from the NAACP, CLU. You have to not be member or associated in any way or have any significant financial transactions with any entity tied to any type of agenda. You can't have a, a Black Lives Matter person on the on the police review board. You know your thoughts, Mr. Presnese. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have independent. If you're going to say citizen review, stop right there. Citizen. What does that mean? Well, let's take a look at who a citizen would qualify to be in this group. Well, he's my brother-in-law. He, no, 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 time out. You can't have your brother-in-law. That doesn't work. Many times. Well, he's a buddy of mine. He's a friend of mine. He's a great friend. No, no, time out. That doesn't work. And you want someone, I'm making a joke, but you want someone who's objective is someone perhaps even from another town or another county. Right. Someone who doesn't have any direct decision making and then you right. have people that are controlling that someone like yourself or me who are used to facilitating meetings to say time out you can't talk for the next 20 minutes stop you have to wait let someone else speak you have to facilitate right. that meeting and you're talking about 
not having any kind of mechanisms from the higher ups down. We haven't had those for years, Josh, and that's been one yeah. of the, for lack of a better word, problems or blind spots of this system that we have. I think what you talked about earlier, um, uh, Attorney Lauren Johnson Norris, she talked about the selective prosecution. Well, it's the same thing. You shouldn't have internal affairs in police departments. They don't work. Right, it's right. so that's solution number five, the elimination of internal affairs and have them be replaced. Take those same taxpayers' money that's been paying for these and have independent review boards. Yes. Be internal yes. because you can't have the fox in charge of the hen house. Simple as that. Right. And I think one thing we could do, and I think this would be fairly easy to integrate, is not just people of color, but you can have Asian, you can have Hispanic, you can have white, you can have a lot of different people. And now you have diversity on that citizen review board, and you have someone saying, okay, this is truly an objective view of the situation. Now, we all come to the table with discriminations and biases and prejudice. That's going to happen, okay? But if you see a process that seems to be pretty pure and clean, you say, I'm going to give this a chance. I think this has got a chance to work. And so once you have one successful option, you say, well, let's clone it. Let's copy this. And I believe, uh, and maybe I'm idealistic, maybe I'm old-fashioned in one way, I believe people can be, if you provide them good and model good, they'll follow good. That's what I believe. What right. say you? Absolutely, absolutely. So no internal affairs, no more incentivization for giving people tickets. Uh, no well, more, we've got citizen review boards. Yeah, you talked about the real estate for just a minute. Okay. So yeah, and, then in, the, and then outside business, the elimination outside of, business. of outside business. If you have to have outside business, you have to report it. Same way politicians do the same way yeah. uh, financial yeah. representative, registered rep representatives have to. You have to report that outside business. And then another one we're going to add, number six, the elimination. And I'm going to put everybody. I know Congress is not going to pass it because they're too shady and they don't all want to go to jail. Uh, starting with Mitt Romney, who has $23 million in the Trinidad. But everybody from Congress down, we're talking board of supervisors here, board, board, you know, county boards, uh, city council, right, uh, and all law enforcement are prohibited from having offshore bank accounts. And I guess it's used by drug dealers to pay cops. You have an account in the Trinidad. No, you can't have that. No county, and you say, well, you're affecting my First Amendment rights. No, I'm not. There's been riots, there's a recession, and there's a pandemic and all because of this. So you've abused your power. Yeah. Uh, if you want to have, and you insist, and it's vital for your life to have a foreign bank account or an offshore bank account, then you cannot be paid with taxpayers' money from the United States, because it's United States, common crazy, a lot of this is just common sense, right? Simple stuff, there just hasn't been the political will. But you cannot use money from United States citizens that are forced to pay, right? Because if we don't pay, the IRS will haul us to jail, seize our assets, do all these horrible things for us, 
if we don't pay taxes. So you cannot, that's just not regular money. That's why uh, Mr. Prestonisi and I are advocates for the higher level of consideration to taxpayers, not free enterprise money. So if you want access and you want a 401k and you want to put this type of money away and you want to use it for goods and services, then the trade-off is you can't take it to another country. Yeah. I think that you just defined conflict of interest perfectly. It's a <laughs> conflict of interest. Right. I, have, I have a bank account in Switzerland, and I also am on the government dole. No, you can't. You, you can't. You can't. Have Sorry, they're incompatible. You and I think if you want to, don't be a cop. Well, don't be in law enforcement. Don't be on the county board and don't be a city council. That's right. And you said a minute ago, Josh, a key word, common sense. It's just common I, sense. I think common sense on the toilet many, many, many years ago. And I don't know why. <laughs> right. Bring it back. Right. I mean, bring back common sense. Two neighbors talking to each other and they say, I don't agree with that, Mike, or I don't agree with that. Okay, don't start calling me names and cursing and yelling and threatening to kill me. That's not how you resolve conflict. There's another one, conflict resolution. Right. I, th I think a lot of people, and, and to their credit, people in law enforcement are stressed to the max. Do they need some kind of help with relationship or conflict? Probably they do. There's and another maybe one, that's right? Where the citizen. Yeah, because nothing happens, right? And a client. Yeah. Because I've been on this rant for a year with anybody that'll listen to me. And I was with a, a client, independently wealthy, successful, smart client. And I was going on my rant of that 95% of people are incapable of change. Have you heard me say this rant many times? 95% of people live within, die within 30 miles of where they were born. 95% of people die with the same religion as their parents. So it goes into this conditioning we have. Conditioning to replace our parents with a corporation or the government or whatever else. The solution our direct affront attack to that, to that um, conditioning of dependence, okay? So a solution to that is democracy. And 100% of the people that I've talked to, either online or in person, that say, oh, defund the police, that's that city council in Minneapolis is crazy. How did these people get elected? I'm like, okay, how many city councilmen people are in your city and who did you vote for in the last election? <gasps> You're right, I had no idea. Did you research them before? <gasps> no. So is it possible that you didn't even know who's on your city council and you voted? You might have voted for somebody who's crazy. Is it possible? Yes, because you didn't know. So that's another solution. We'll put that as solution number seven. Research. I'm, I'm, I'm not even telling people to, because I've been uh, researching local politicians for 30 years, right? And Charlie Chris, governor of Florida, now current congressman in Tampa Bay area, told me once. He said, Josh, there's three types of local politicians, right? There's corrupt local politicians. There's stupid politicians. And there's corrupt and stupid politics. Right. So this is the reputation local politicians have. And we 
if you listen to the podcast, we have Dr. Gardner and uh, Lauren uh, Johnson Norris who are not. They're the rare ones who are not because I researched them and I vetted them. And I know they're not. And I knew they would be phenomenal. Great resources of information you cannot get anywhere else on the podcast, on the live stream. You can go back and you can listen to them. So I'm at the point, and I go to city council meetings when my brain is fried, I can't do any more work, because when you're a business owner, you have to be 80% of your time in revenue generating activities. So instead of watching television, I go, and Coach, hey, Coach Mike, Mike is laughing right now, because I've told you the stories, right? Truth is always stranger than fiction. So if you want to go instead of Shakespeare in a park, go and research your local, especially now before things change and we get better city council people in there. Go now, research their past history, research public records on them, ask people questions about them. Get involved in democracy because freedom is not free and what happened in Hong Kong can happen right here. You bring up a good point about this idea of research and homework. And I've said this many times, you've heard it and you kind of chuckle, but I say readers are leaders, okay? Right. Readers are leaders. And guess what? Learners are earners. Right. So you want to earn more? Learn more. Right. Now, I know it sounds corny. I know that sounds really sophomoric and corny. Guess what, Josh? It ain't. Bad English, right. but truth. It ain't. It's... If you will start reading, put your nose in a book, turn off your video games, turn off your television set, turn off your going to movies, start reading and start reading history, reading autobiographies, and listen to what people did in their lives. The best way to learn how to grow is to say, well, what did so-and-so do in his life? Well, he wrote a book. Go for five or six or eight or ten bucks, you get so-and-so's book. You read his life story or her life story. And you say, Wow, I thought they were born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Right. Nope, they were busted and disgusted. And they end up pulling themselves <laughs> up by the boot and right. pesto changing up what happens. And I tell this to people, whether you're people of color or white, it doesn't matter. This is the human, this is the human condition. Better yourself. You know, read, study, learn, stretch. You know what? There's a book by a guy named John Maxwell called Failing Forward. Guess right. what? Try something, fail. Okay, what'd you learn from yeah, that? Yeah, not to yeah, do it that that's, and that's one of my pet peeves. I, I do not believe in the word failure. I really don't. If you say, okay, you know, because your actions are in your beliefs. I am, I don't believe in failure. And for me personally, I thank God, because it's only a God thing. Failure does not exist in my life, right? And I remember this old guy, he said something. He said that, I'm like, man, you're crazy. It was an old uh, martial arts guy, he says, you've only lost when you admit defeat. And I'm like, come on, people lose. And then the whole thing, failure. And life has taught me that true failure are two things. Number one, when you get a sub-optimal up optimal outcome, when you had high level of control over a situation mm. and you don't analyze it and create a strategy to create 
a higher probability outcome the next time. If you haven't done that, then you fail. And I have to give credit to my mom. She's like, hey, observe things. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. You analyze situations, and then you come back and you attack it from it. And if it doesn't work, if you don't succeed, try, try again. So if you have not analyzed a decision, then you failed in my book. That's a fail. The only other way you can fail is when you gave up. They say, what's the difference between successful and unsuccessful people? The unsuccessful guy gave up five minutes before the successful guy did. You know? So for me, that whole forward thing, and I hate it because another reason I hate it is that guy Beto started saying that every 24-7. I'm like, oh, what a horrible term. So I, I, I hate that term, and I, and I don't think there is no such thing as failure in my life, and I do not believe in failure at all. That's failure. And then another failure I would add is my definition of sin, which my mother taught me. She said that the definition of sin is knowing the right thing to do habitually, continually, choosing the opposite and harming yourself and others. That's failure. So those three things are failing. And I do not believe in any of those things. And I've eradicated those specific things from my life forever. Pass the plate. I'll I'll get it. (laughs) Yes. All right. So let's go to our next solution here. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Our next solution that's another solution eliminate eradicate failure from your life all right we're going to go to tracking we're going to go to early identification and intervention of risk factors right Um, the whole thing in minnesota happened i said before Chauvin being fired the chief of police should have been fired because he should have he should have he and should is i use rarely use the word should because should is a demand. But yes, I'm demanding that he should have that black African-American chief. It's interesting that black African-American chief of police, a complete vomit disaster, uh, a degenerate uh, person in the Peter principle, people get promoted to their level of incompetence. That vomit chief of police in Atlanta got fired. And the same thing should have happened to the black Chief of Police in Minnesota, he should have been immediately fired, right? Because I'll tell you this, right? In life, you have naturally gifted people who are intelligent, and you have people who just work hard and do what I just said, analyze and come back to fight the next day. And Michael Prestonisi and myself, we're in that second category where we've just, we've been fighting tooth and nail a combined, you know, 150 years. <laughs> we don't look how many years we've been fighting, right? And the first thing, we're not geniuses, right? But the first thing, and he does that the same, when you go to a company, he does the same thing I do, right? We go read the files on the employees because we know there's a, a, a troublemaker, somebody there. And for me, I never fired anybody. I just say, hey, this is the value this person has. And I know. It's your grandmother. I know it's your best friend from high school, whatever. But we want to make clear, 
um, 90% of this person's salary is charity, right? It's not as intense, but the first thing we would have done, we read, read the files and we would have read the files on Chapman and we would have said, Hey, this guy's killed, you know, X amount of people. Uh, I'll grant you cause you got to anticipate their objections. I'll grant you. I don't know what happened on these 13 incidents, but let's look at this paper and you tell me if I'm wrong. It says here on the race of all these people, right? And make it easy for you. Let me know which one of these 13 people he shot in 18 complaints. How many of these people are white people? Zero. Nope. Okay. Do you think we should get him to a therapist and reassign? We're not firing the guy. We're just saying that, uh, and I'll just say these statistics from the top of, you know, and you and I have this problem of being sarcastic because it's common sense, clear thing, but not to be an a-hole. All right. Uh, off the top of my head, statistics would say that somebody who's killed 13 people and has 18 complaints probably shouldn't be working double shifts on the field in a high crime area. Call me crazy or, or whatever. Right. That's called derelict of duty called stealing taxpayers' money. What do you think, Mike Personisi? Well, I think it would have gone with me. I would have been, if I were involved in any capacity, after the second killing, okay? <laughs> I would say, okay, hold on here. I'm noticing a bit of a pattern. Maybe it's just me, uh, but it looks like between all this overtime and your real estate business and this and that, I think maybe we need to either time out pull you in, sit you down and chat, maybe give you admin leave for 30 days to recollect yourself uh, or other. And see, here's what we don't do, Josh. And like you said- Well, a long time ago, if we would have had our reforms, we would have said, uh, yeah. I need a full report. We're going to send a PI to yeah. uh, these real estate deals that you're making millions of dollars in, working double shifts. And then after the double shifts, you go work as a security guard. Mm -hmm. I'm now something is wrong with that human psyche. There, there's a problem there. Okay. Say dysfunctional. You could say driven. You can plug in any word you want to. Right. It's just like we work with companies. When I assess them, I, I ask people, first of all, so what is the culture here? Okay. And they look at me like, what do you mean? Coach Mike, what's the culture? Tell me, what's it like working? What's the culture? You know what I'm talking about and give them time. Give them a white birth, Josh, and they start telling you this and this and this and that. And I start kind of compiling a culture, right? Right. What you and I are trying to do today for solutions is to say, why don't we create a more positive culture? Why don't, and I'm not trying to be idealistic and, you know, this is not warm, fuzzy, touchy-feely. This is real stuff. Uh, in fact, I'll tell you about a program I wrote years ago called WORC, Winning Opportunities for Responsible Contractors. And it was based on the idea of giving- well, And we'll get into that more deeply when we talk about the other solution about bids. But you're talking about a culture of cops where you, you take the shavings of the work. Isn't that a one? I know that my police officer friends uh, describe the term for me and it's called POPs, pissed off police. Pissed off police, yep. They're 10 to 20% of the police force. Right. right. I don't want to disclose names, but a chief of police in Orange County uh, came to me off the record about help. I should have charged them probably, but help with his bottom 10% of POPs, pissed off police officers, high testosterone, 
just got divorced, hates life. Or I remember uh, lifting weights with a very, very dear friend of mine, a guy who was a police officer for 30 years, and he was a trainer in the police academy. And he said, hey, these guys from Clearwater, all they want to do is shoot black guys. That's all they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So he should have been reporting these guys and not letting them through. But he wanted to get paid. So you would let these guys through, even though they have verbalized it. They want to be on the police force to shoot black people. So, so you're talking about, yeah, you're talking about doing your job, what we just said, right? Going in, reading the files. All you have to do is read the files. And like Barr said that any normal person seeing the George Floyd murder would be appalled. Any normal human being, reading, the guy in Tampa, 73 complaints in two years. Any rational person reading it, the chief of police in Tampa needs to get fired. He's not, what are you doing with your time? Getting ready for a rubber chicken uh, so you can get more money from the election or what is it you're doing with your time? If I got time to read this, you know, Huey Long, who great lesson in local political yeah. corruption, you know, he wrote the famous speech, hey, I'm a crook, and out of $3, I'm going to steal two. My opponent yeah. is going to take all three. Who are you going to vote for? A crook you know or a crook you don't know? And that's why I, I think in my, there is a point to the 1619 because, the, you know, the whole cliche, the more things change, the more they stay the same. So it's the same type of conditioning. Okay, what Hewing Long happened is happening not just in Lake Forest, not just in Escondido, all right, not just in, hey, yeah. the last eight mayors of the city of San Diego are convicted felons from Roger Hedgecock, this on the radio, to poor Maureen O'Connell, who died a bag lady. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, she goes from mayor to dying a bag lady and convicted of multiple felonies. Her husband was an organized criminal since day one and she gets elected mayor of San Diego. And I remember when I first got to San Diego, seeing the beautiful houses, $2 million. How much is this house? $3 million. I'm like, man, that's a lot of property taxes. Let me go to the library because I'm still old fashioned. Let me go to the library and read a book. Oh, guess what? It's 12 PM and the library's closed. I'm like, what? First thing that popped into my mind studying local political work, I'm like, man, San Diego must be corrupt. And then I do a little research, 50%. And Mayor Faulkner's corrupt, right? Yeah. He drives an NFL team um, from the city oh. and check those offshore accounts. I can guarantee you Faulkner has probably two, three million dollars in the Trinidad right now. So he could rig, uh, you know, Mission Valley in downtown, right? And we're talking about millions upon millions of billions of dollars where a Faulkner is incentivized. And in in a lot of these solutions, go to the root primal level of uh, financial incentives, right? With the tickets and payouts from right supremacist groups. These are all financial incentives that don't necessarily have to do with race, but have to do with basic self-interest, right? And survival, right? Mm -hmm. Right? So the, the solution was, uh, uh, that one was, uh, because you jumped to bids, but we were talking about 
early identification and intervention. Uh, call me crazy. We're going to have to make it a law because they've abused the coach. Call when a, like the new one in Atlanta, I'm going to write to Atlanta and I'm going to talk to Mayor Bottoms and I'm going to tell her, hey, listen, let's go to the city council and let's pass this right now. Every city council, totally forced. When you take over as police chief, you are required to read all of the police officers' personnel files. Personnel files, exactly, exactly. Cuomo is saying that it should be made public. Yes, if you want public money, you're going to have to give up your rights because you've abused the privilege as a whole. So, uh, backgrounds, public. I'm sorry. Uh, if there's a complaint, your background and all your in incidents uh, no argument. We're going to take the corrupt judges that are taking money from white supremacist groups and police unions. We're going to take the decision-making out of them. No conference with the defense attorney. Let's, let's end this clown show here, <laughs> this charade, all right? All right, let's end this clown show right here. No conference. Are we going to admit the officer's background? into evidence. It's already automatic. It's in law. It's automatic. Oh, hey, it happens to me all the time. When I get a big business case, you and I worked on that one with the, the guys uh, were fighting in that restaurant in San Diego. You helped me with that, right? It was a big payday. What did I do, right? I checked the background of the right. guy who was stealing money from my client, right? Yeah. Basic. Yeah. Your background yeah. as a police officer is automatically admitted into evidence. No uh, pretrial conference, no conference mm -hmm. at the dais, no conference behind closed doors, right? Well, you're None talking of that. about something, Josh. You're talking about something that we don't do anymore, and that is we used to be able to have the ability to ask questions. Right. And we used to be able to probe and explore and drill deeper and say, well, time out. You just said when you were a kid, you wanted to shoot your cat, but then you strangled your dog. Hold, time out. Do I not right. think I could connect the dots to you wanting to kill people? Because you have right. this tendency or this proclivity to act like a bizarre human being. Right. And all of a sudden, people say things like, well, that's racist or that's wrong or that's this. Time out. Time out. Do you really want, here's a good word for you, Josh. Do you really want honesty? Is that what you really want? You really, you want the honest to God truth? Right. Um, I, I would love to see that come back in our conversations, in our discussions, in our explorations. It's like I was talking to a guy the other day in business, and I said, when I go to do business with you, what you want me to do is make a list of assumptions that I put right on the face page, the cover page of the the agreement, right? He looked at me, he said, yeah, I guess so. I said, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want a list of assumptions. I don't want exceptions. No, I want you to tell me the truth. And I think what you're talking about, the same thing you talked about earlier, is there any way that we can, we can enhance or actually even enforce some kind of accountability? If we can't, we're not talking about solutions. We're just talking with each other and it's a waste of time right so uh we have to make the background public we have to and it's already 
in place. Yeah. It's created by the justice. Early intervention, right? And identification yep. systems. Reset factor for cops. If you miss a meeting, if you're you, late, you're late. If you got in a fight in a locker room with another cop, all that stuff needs to be documented. We have to know the background of people. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, if he is, it was in the military, we need to know his military records. Right. Uh, right. So uh, we got that one. Uh, we got no overtime, early intervention. Let's go to we're talking about financial incentives. Uh, I would say for the next five years, all city councils, county boards have to, and I wouldn't do it for the state level, right? But county and city, where there hasn't been any oversight, and people are finally when people. It's music to my ears when I hear, "Oh, we got to go down to city council meeting and research." I'm like, "Oh my god!" I'm saying that for years. Uh, they have to. In a lot of rural counties that have never had a minority business, it's going to be great for diversity. They have to give 25 to 50 percent of the bids to black businesses, right? And white supremacists, racists are going to say, oh, you're giving black people welfare. No. This is a settlement for uh, eliminating the constitutional right that black people have. And we're going to limit it to black people, but white, poor white people, Hispanic, Asians, and uh, mm -hmm. American Indians of all, then um, stolen of their constitutional right to a jury of their peers because black people have to pay more bail. Black people get pulled over and arrested more and as a result have to pay higher insurance rates. Black people get pulled by juries uh, more often than white people get pulled from juries and the threshold is lower, right? So I wanna track judges and DAs, and we'll make that solution number 10. Judges and DAs, um, we're going to track it first, right? And then uh, the outliers, the bottom 10% automatically find uh, judges and uh, DAs who pull black people from a jury. So if you have the average at 50 and this guy and this judge have pulled, you know, have pulled 200 black people from juries, they're automatically fined or suspended one year from, 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 mm -hmm from uh, their job or fire. But some, because the only way you can modify behavior is by having enforcement mechanisms. So an enforcement mechanism for teeth, with teeth to judges and DAs who pull black people from juries at a higher rate than uh, other races. What do you think about that, Coach Mike? So I don't know what the number is. You said 25 to 50% about right. giving black and minority owned companies. And then they have to hire I on top of that because this has happened before, not reinventing the wheel, it's happened before. But the problem has been that once the black company gets the bid, right? Two things happen. 
that might not mm-hmm. be qualified or had the tools to do the bid well. Number two, mm-hmm. if they do do the bid well, they haven't had the tools to create a sustainable business. So the way you fix that is at taxpayers' expense, you give them an expert, right? It could be a black expert. For sake of argument, the consultant's also black, right? And it's gonna be an MBA. Hey, the Black Chamber of Commerce, believe me, the Black Chamber of Commerce, the National Black Chamber of Commerce, and heck, let's make this in charge of this, Black Chamber of Commerce, we'll give them a consultant that A, will figure out how to do the bid well and comprehensively well, B, teach the bid winner how to create a sustainable business based on the money they got from the bid. Let me know your thoughts, Mike Prestonese. Exactly. I mean, I, I wrote a program years ago called WORC, Winning Opportunities for Responsible Contractors. And even though a lot of black contractors did get big jobs, government jobs, Navy jobs, so they're government. All right. Government jobs means you have to do certified payroll every week. That right. means you have to cross every T and dot every I. If there's a mistake, they send it back. Next thing you know, they rescind the contract. This right. is what the government says. I think. But the point is, when you get a government job, so you're on a Navy project, like, for example, San Diego, in a housing project, and you are a take a trade, a drywall trade, for example, and you get a contract for $860,000 as a black contractor, minority contractor, and your biggest job to date has been 75000 out of the back of your truck and the back of your pocket under the table. Josh, you just landed on Jupiter, okay? Right. It's a whole different universe, whole different rules, regulations, accountabilities, the whole thing. And it's a lot of pressure for those guys. I mean, my heart goes out to them. I'm in the trades all my life. My dad was, we put rebar and concrete. I get it. So you need somebody who knows construction, somebody who knows how to do the certified payroll, and someone knows how to make this job profitable by purchasing right and by watching over time. And there's a lot of moving parts to a big construction job. And your point is well taken that if, and this is a big if, if, let's say it's the whatever group it is, can provide a consultant to walk side by side with that contractor through the first job, maybe the second job, probably even the third job, and quite possibly even the fourth job. By the end of that fourth job, I will guarantee you that minority contractor knows what he's doing. Exactly, because they've been denied access to information. I've been in meetings with people net worth 40, 50 million dollars and they're talking about things that I'm like, why didn't they teach everybody this in high school? I'm going to do a whole podcast, and you're welcome to be part of that podcast, uh, Mr. Preston Nisi, on 1031 exchanges. 1031, yeah. Because it's very deep, because it's not just uh, an item in the IRS code, it's also a philosophy. It's also one of the best tax mitigation strategies out there. It's also a great lesson in capitalism and inter. Inter, uh, entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Very, very deep. Let's and it's something, it's something that net worth, uh, another thing too, right? Uh, 
when you talk about uh, institutional slavery and you're talking about uh, black slave masters or white slave master, white supremacy, dependency, conditioning, ripping people off, corruption, right? The banking system. Mm -hmm. The monetary system. Right, yeah. because something you learn when you have a client who's worth $20 million, a client's worth $50 million, right? Even, I would say, mm -hmm. clients, right. now I've learned and I give good advice to clients who have a liquid $3.5 million. Once you get to $3.5 million, you can become your own bank. Or legally, you could be like uh, the old joke, that guy owns the team, he owes me 20 bucks. The guy who bought the, the, the Islanders with no money, <laughs> right? So below 3.5, you could do something like that legally, right? Because that's the other problem, right? Uh, it, crime does pay. If you're a good white-collar criminal, you can defraud as many people as possible. You can cheat. You can lie. You can enrich yourself unjustly and not face the penalties that a black guy does for stealing, for God forbid, and I, I apologize for saying that, but for possibly passing a $20 bill that he didn't know was counterfeit. I hate to say it. I'm going to be honest here, you know, and that's what we do in this podcast. But yeah. if George Floyd was high, right, which in my opinion, he was either high or had COVID-19 and he was sick, either or, he would have no idea whether that was a $20 counterfeit bill or not. But he would face a higher penalty than uh, even, let's say, a black guy who was embezzling a million dollars. Okay, so obviously that's, we'll put that as a reform, reform number 14, right? Equally penalize white collar criminal. If a crime, and we go back, and we'll go back to this, right? And I did a great podcast two Tuesdays ago. People need to, and we'll make this reform number 15. The reformation we have to have a national discussion. You hear it on TV, oh, we have to have that. We have to have a national discussion and a reconstruction and thoroughly think through selective prosecution. So what is selective mm -hmm. prosecution? Selective prosecution is there, there's so many crimes being committed, it, it's impossible for the police to enforce the law on all these crimes. So what's the result of selective prosecution? That it's no longer about right or wrong. We have severed, we have completely severed the relationship between the law and the penal codes, civil codes, and justice. We've completely alienated them from each other, okay? And what you have now is uh, white supremacists paying for selective prosecution to prosecute poor white people and blacks and everybody else, right? Um, and, it, and the legal system has been, become 
in a lot of this is the, the, the people, right? If you don't get involved in politics, politics will be involved in you. And we see it here every day, you know, with the riots and COVID-19 and all that. People have not paid attention to politics. And the other thing too, if you don't vote, you'll be ruled by idiots. So that's what's going. So you have idiots making decisions yeah. about selective prosecution. And what do you have? Well, it's been the result of that. COVID-19, riots and recession. That's been the result of uh, corrupt, stupid, and dumb and corrupt local politicians making decisions about selective prosecution, right? Mm -hmm. I, I'm a perfect example. Orange County sheriffs have spent $700,000 investigating me, five search warrants, no knock warrants. Uh, they have every single thing in my computer, and I don't care because I don't do anything wrong. <laughs> so you can look, really right now for the Sheriff's Department to have success, they have to, these short warrants, they have to lie to the, to the judge to get them. Mm -hmm. And it's the judge's fault. I'm gonna, you know, that reminds me, I'm gonna write, when we get done with this podcast, I'm gonna write to the judge and I'm gonna say, judge, you are lying people to lie to you. And what, what's been the result of this? And that's one reason I like the pandemic. Yeah the recession and race riots. What's this result of this system you have? We are allowing sheriffs to lie to you, right? Uh, AKA, please read the newspaper, what happened in Atlanta, June uh, 13th. That's the result of that, right? $750,000 to investigate a guy with no priors. Security, I've been investigated by FINRA. I've been, you know, when you have to get licenses and stuff, the SEC. Yeah. by Mass Mutual, by Pacific, all these people investigate. You, you can investigate all you want. Because all those books, I've read the, all those books. And all I do on a Sunday night is read books. And instead of watching TV, I go to city council meetings. I'm the most boring person in the world. So the only way the police can get me is by planting cocaine in my house. And then explain why a guy who has no priors, who's never tested for cocaine, suddenly out of nowhere has you know, or whatever. Why? Right. So $750,000 of taxpayers' money flushed down the toilet. Because why? Uh, selective prosecution by morons. So what's your answer to that? I don't even have a solution for selective prosecution. Because the whole thing, and I remember a smart cop telling me once, it's not the letter of the law, it's the spirit of the law. But I'm like, not everybody's as smart mm -hmm. as you, man. You know, you got these 19-year-old guys who just came out of, and you're asking them to make these decisions, which will lead to the other one. So it's selective prosecution, and the fact that we want a 19-year-old guy who just graduated from the police academy to become a social worker and a psychotherapist. What he's done on the beat, right? These guys have too many jobs. And so, like the prosecution, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Michael Prestonisi. Well, I, if we could rewind the tape a bit, uh, we were talking about this idea of, let's say, the minority contractors, okay? Right. And you want to teach classes, which I think is admirable. Let's go back a little further. Let's start teaching entrepreneurship at the grade level, let's say sixth grade. And you say, right. well, coach, that's a little young, isn't it? I said, well, no, no, no. 
the Japanese Suzuki method of, of teaching instruments is from three years of age, and by age four, they're playing Beethoven and Mozart. Well, the 10,000 hour Gladwell's, right? The 10,000 hours thing. Yeah. Kids are playing yeah, sports. Exactly. This is the other thing, too. I hate when drug rings and pedophile rings are run better in governments and companies. Pedophiles steal people in sixth grade all, all day. Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. can say a sixth grader could be a prostitute, but not learn right, entrepreneurship. I, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let's say, for example, someone, let's say they had a, a lemonade stand. What did you learn in the lemonade stand setup? You had to have lemons. <laughs> we hope you had lemons. You had to have a way to squeeze the lemons into some kind of container. You had to keep it cold. You had to have a sign up front that said lemonade, five cents a glass. You had to have glasses. You had to have a setup. And so... The buck to do this that's not bad well the, the other it's thing not too, right? rocket science right but you yeah. know and it, and it comes to parenting and stuff but it helps kids pay attention so if you have a candy drive yeah. and andre sold 200 candies and you want to do a lemonade stand you got the lemon whatever and you're an introvert you don't talk to me you go to andre hey dre I'll split it with you, man. I got the I got the, the stand. We could do it at my mom's house. I got the place. I got the lemons. I'll cut the lemons and you sell them because boom, you just learn from HR skills. Yeah, exactly. Delegation and sales and marketing abilities, core competence, all that stuff, right? Right. Yeah. I, my heart, my heart, as you know, Josh, is to be a teacher, is to share, to transfer knowledge. I've learned a lot of things in my life, made a lot of mistakes, made some money, lost some money. I can share with you things not to do. I can probably write a book on the 460 things not to do, okay? Right. <laughs> probably a bestseller. But I can also tell you the 25 things you can do and should do to be successful, and that'd be a bestseller. But the point is, it's not about selling a book. It's about are you teaching and training? Are you creating a legacy? I think one thing we want to do in our families is create a legacy. What coach might known for? Well, he was a lying, drunken, thieving, no good, gambling pig. No, that's not my legacy. That's not mine. He was a good man, good business guy, loved his wife and kids and grandkids. He gave back. And I, I really want us to get this message across to our viewers. Boy, giving back is so, it, it's so. It makes you feel better. You don't give back yeah. or you do, don't do something nice. And I and a lot of fake Christians will try to attack me, but you gotta be honest, right? And you don't help, I'm not my mom, I'm not my parents who were very altruistic and my dad to this day, I've always predicted them, the way my dad was gonna die was for having somebody in and they would probably kill him, right? Uh, so I'm mentally preparing myself for that uh, because he's a 100% man of faith, but I'm not my parents, right? So when I help somebody and I do something so-called altruistic it's because it makes me feel better and it feels me connected yeah. to humanity and it helps me be different and it helps me balance all the complete degenerate perverted a-holes that i've met in my life it, it helps me to be different and kind of counteract that memory to to help somebody it's not yeah. for you know because it says that in the bible you, your works won't get you there. you know, 
That's right. That's right. But the thing is that they start knowing you and they know your fruit. They know that you love people. You care about right. people. You don't just say it. You show it and you do it. Right. And we look at people in our lives from many different cultures and backgrounds where we have that, what I call an ebb and flow relationship. It's give and take. It's plus or minus. I don't always agree with people. They don't always agree with me. But I've learned to agree to disagree agreeably. And if we can't come down, the conversation is concluded. Simple as and, and it's something that uh, we'll close with this, with a question. I have a, a comment, a question, and then we'll get closing thoughts. We'll close with this. We're giving people around 17, 18 uh, solutions, and we'll make sure they get into the hands of decision makers. In uh, it, and, and the, the opinion is that uh, you always hear the enemy within, right? I, I think we have a lot of enemies within, starting with the, uh, the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, and I listen to my podcast, please, and watch my video on the curious case of Benjamin Yu. He spends $300,000 for a $100,000 assembly uh, seat. And because we're asleep and because we're not paying attention, his financial paperwork clearly shows a Ponzi scheme, money laundering, which are all explicitly explained in the book that I encourage everybody to read, uh, The Stealth War, written by a, a former general, right, who worked in the Trump administration, The Stealth War. The enemy with him. So uh, I'm tired of Al Sharpton. I'm tired of Jesse Jackson. I am tired of all around the country uh, these black, Maxine Waters, uh, all these institutional guys who have not been effective, right? And you and I see this when we are in a company and we see employees who are not effective, but they're mm -hmm. kept on the payroll yeah. for thumbprint of reasons. It could be any reasons. We're just knowing that this person is not producing any money, and you're an average of the five people around you. So, you know, I explained to him, I draw an equation, okay, this is how this person is lowering the equation of everybody around, and you're only as strong as your weakest link. And from the outside of the black community, uh, you know, it's, it's common sense again, right? It's all things we know. Either walk the walk or you talk the talk and not walk the walk. The Bible says, by your fruits, you shall be known. And I love uh, uh, a guy who went to my dad's church. He went to my dad's church, right? Frederick K. Price from Inglewood, California. He goes to my dad's church, you know, sees that, one third of the congregation has, uh, and, I, and I have it back there. I have it back there. Here we go. I'm going to bring it up to people watching the uh, the stream and people watching the video later. It's a great analogy for what's going on. Frederick K. Price walks into my dad's church, sees that everybody's poor, and then half the people have hymn, hymnals. 
And one of the people took one of the hymnals and gave it a pretty great price. That, you know, and I can go into tears right now because I remember that. I'll never forget it. 8 p.m. on a Friday. Frederick K. Price comes in there with a van. And black guys come in with these hymnals. Look how, how beautiful they are. He bought a thousand hymnals. And he told my dad, you know, walk by faith, not by sight. You're going to have a thousand people in here. He bought a thousand that's not about faith. Thousand, and I have one of them right here from Frederick Kidd. Mm -hmm. Right? Evidence, evidence. What does your life show? Mm -hmm. Does your life show enough evidence, right? Mm -hmm. And all these uh, congressmen, all these board members, all these city council members who keep re being reelected for 30 years and have not increased the medium income with the solutions that I just gave you. I'm not a genius. Michael Pristinisi is not a genius. But these are solutions that if we know them, everybody knows them. And these guys have been ineffective. I had a guy send me a message that says, well, he got us uh, community funding. He got us pork barrel. Well, uh, pork barrel and community funding are systems to further enslave and condition black people to be subservient and dependent on white supremacist slave masters. For lack of not, clarity is business, right? I, I don't know. Can I make that more clear, Michael Persinis? That Did these people, I don't care who they are, Republican, whoever, if you have not increased the median income of black people in your community, in the richest country in the history of the world, then you should not be in that position. Just like the black, uh, the black, the two black chief of police in Atlanta and Minnesota, and everybody. It's not just him; it's the internal affairs. All of these people need to be fired, along with them, um, great talkers, guys that believe me. A lot of these uh, politicians. Black politicians and black preachers. I've been told by black people, listen, I'm going to pick you up to go to this church, but please leave your wallet, credit card, checkbook inside the house. Because when you leave and you're in that church, this guy is so good, you will not have anything in your bank account. Right? You go there and you cry, you laugh, you dance, da da da. Mm. But then you hear one of the members went outside and shot somebody that Sunday night, you know. And the people in the church are broke. They're shooting people. They're committing crimes. Okay? Yeah, it was a great sermon. Yes, I cried. You know, he's an artist. He invoked emotion in me. I laughed a lot. I cried a lot. Right? But at the end of the day, all of the people in the church are poor. And their kids are committing crimes. Right? They're getting sick. Yeah. So what good is it? What, what action, what results do you have? What evidence does your life say? By thy fruits, you shall be known. So if you're a politician and you've been somewhere 30 years, and the fruits you're showing is that your whole community is either broke or in jail, and you're not doing what we just told you to do on this podcast, then you should immediately, don't wait for any election. I am so tired of the BS. Right? Mm. 
it, it is ridiculous. We got the answers. You are to resign. I don't care about no election. You are to resign immediately because the consequences are happening now. 19 days of riots, right? Let's go COVID-19, right? COVID-19 is a systematic, you know, and you think about systematic uh, racism and all this, hey, we have a systematic gaslighting and lying by every Mm -hmm. single person in government, from Ivanka to Jared to Trump to Dr. Fossey, all right? In the Tuesday podcast, and maybe you and I can do a podcast on this, Mike Bersinisi, and, and we'll make this as the 20th reform, and let me know your thoughts, and we'll get final thoughts. 20th reform is the elimination of ethics rules, uh, regulations, guidelines, all of that stuff needs to be eliminated. The only thing that's to be used in the penal code or any other code uh, are laws, ordinances with enforcement mechanisms. Yeah. Because, okay, you say, oh, we want a guideline. The, the, the city council can vote against the guideline in a second and change it that day. you would be something mm-hmm. for 20 years. Everybody planned it. We spent $3 million in taxpayers' money, and then the board gets a check. I'll bet you're off. So mm-hmm. let's eliminate. I've seen that so many times. That's why people need to go to council meetings and see this. Oh, oh yeah. They make a general plan. This is the way the city's going to be. In comes Trump. In comes Ted Turner. In comes whoever. Caruso in Carlsbad. Writes a check. All bets are off. Meanwhile, we wasted $3 million. And I'm like, are you kidding me? George Floyd for $20 when you just wasted $5 million on a general plan guideline and Caruso comes in there with a check and you change everything? Come on now. So let, let's eliminate that. Let's eliminate all guidelines, eliminate all ethics policies. Oh, he, he eliminated the ethics policy and you go all through the line, all five, uh, uh, it's almost like a jury, right? Uh, council member number one, did he? Um, clearly violate the ethics policy. Let's eliminate all policies. Yes, he did. Number two, yes, he did. Number three, yes, he did. Number four, yes, he did. Number five, yes, he did. All right, let's go to a final vote to censor. And they do the little thing. Madam Clerk, what's the vote? Uh, Three to two, not to censor. Oh, yes. His two other friends voted for him. And, And since... He's the one <laughs> who violated the ethics policy, and everybody agreed that he violated the ethics policy. Why does he get a vote? And is it a shocker that he's going to vote for himself? But, but this is the greatest thing, and, 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 and I think it's a video, and I'll put a link to it, because I was at a council meeting where that exact thing happened, and the guy admitted it. He said, I'm a Christian. And I said, Christian, if I, uh, I got to be redeemed for my sins. And yes, I violated the ethics policy. And then when it came to a vote, he voted for himself against what he just said 20 minutes. You can't make this crazy stuff up. So let's eliminate all guidelines. And it's come to light with uh, the CDC guidelines. Yeah.
Well, I you know, waste my time with yeah. CDC guidelines when obviously you have, and it's a great illustration of why this reform needs to happen for police reform, whatever else, because we went to um, uh, guideline, guidance. Yeah, Asystematic yeah. people can spread it. And that's the reason we're closing everything down. Now, three months later, oops, we were wrong. Yeah. Oh, it spread six feet away. Oh, no, it's 27 feet. How much taxpayers' money did we spend with these fake models? It, 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 we'll close with this. Million. million. Let me ask you a question. What's more valid? This, the, the millions of dollars spent on this COVID-19 tracking models that said that half a million people are going to die, da-da-da. Or the model that we have betting on NFL games here on the EFBC podcast. Uh, B. What makes people more money is more effective, more accurate models. B. What you <laughs> right? Stranger. <laughs> B. Stranger than fiction. What's your thoughts on all that and final thoughts on, on, on the 21 specific actionable uh, results we can give people? Well, it's just like, and you know this, and I'm preaching to the choir, but to the people listening, if you're in business and somebody says to Josh or Coach Mike, so what do you guys think we should do as a solution? And you're going to laugh because you've heard this. Right. You lay out this elaborate solution base and you got it all laid out and they say, great, we're going to think about it or we'll take it under advisement or whatever that phrase is they use. And so you leave and then a couple of days later through emails and follow up and you ask one of the people, one of the players, maybe a leader, hey, what's the, what's the status update? What's the progress? What's going on? Oh, oh, oh Coach Mike, I'm glad you know, we're not going to do that. <laughs> oh, oh, so would you mind telling me what you're going to do? Yeah, we're going to do something different. We're not sure yet. You know, sometimes as a coach and as a, just as a human being, it, you want to thump them and say, are, are you this dense on purpose or, or is there something missing? What, what's wrong? We all agreed. We had consensus. We said, yes, I laid it out. We're going to do it. And you can't pull the trigger to launch. I, I don't know. That's to me, that's frustrating. That's failure to use your analogy. Right, because you haven't learned anything. Not, they didn't learn not doing anything. So to bring this whole podcast to a close, thank you, first of all, for talking about these issues, because there are some systemic things we need to address, but we need to address them, A, as, well, my part of the problem or the solution? Good question, right? You look in the- And you can't be half pregnant. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You can't be be half pregnant. You're either part of the problem, right? Or you're part of the solution. Solution. That's right. So, Josh, thank you for letting me hang out with you and having fun and talking. I hope people got something out of this. Yeah, but it's more than that. We, we, we gave, and it's well thought out, and you've been part of many bids. You know city council people. You know mayors. You know uh, board of – you know, uh, we both know. Board of Supervisors here in California. Board of Supervisors here in California have a higher salary than the governor or the president of the United States. So the city managers. Yeah. 
Why? <laughs> right, you know, and uh, uh, I'll close with this, two things. To bring things crystal clear, uh, I was at the last Lake Forest City Council meeting, and I asked them, did you guys see the pandemic coming? No. Okay. Then I asked them, did you see the recession coming? No, we didn't. And I said, did you see the racial disturbances and the problems we had? No, no, no. Then why are you doing a general plan for 2040 when you don't even know what's going to happen next year? And why did you spend a million dollars on this? Why would you spend a million dollars on a general plan for 2040 when you have absolutely no idea what's going to go on three months from now? So to make it crystal clear to the people, that's what we're dealing with. But I was close and we solved problems. We gave actionable solutions. This is what needs to start flying out of Jesse Jackson's mouth. This is what needs to start flying. I heard something about, oh, Dave Chappelle said this. And, well, Dave Chappelle needs to say these things that can actually happen. Yeah. This is what Al Sharpton needs to be talking about. This is what white people on CNN, what, white people on Fox, oh yeah, I don't care. This, what Coach Mike, Mike Prisonisi and I talked about is what needs to happen in its common sense that the majority of us can agree on. It's not brain surgery. It's just political will and not let yourself be bullied by these professional gaslighters all over the country. They're a breed of people. And Winston Churchill said, Right, what we've done here for the last hour, that you, you know, and my mom, people can go on the blog and read the, the, the blog that I have about my mom. She lived this and everybody on the podcast has agreed to live this. You make a living from your labor. However, you make a life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the I Love South Orange County podcast and the ESBC podcasting. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it is free. It's a podcast that I use. <clears throat> and they really do a good job for us here at the GFSN betting and team report podcast. It helps us make 70 to 80% of your bets. Now, Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started, my brothers. I'm the best there is.